This is the Horse Radio Network. Hello, everyone. This is your producer, Jemmy, with episode 2039 of Best Of. The gang is out today, so we're rolling things back to July 12th, 2017, when they talked about the Olympic Games, rescue training, and vet terms. Listen in. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Phoenix, Arizona. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 12th, episode 1737, brought to you today by Horselovers.com. Good morning, Horse World. Guess, guess what day it is? Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is? Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. That's right, it's hump day with your horses in the morning hosts, Jamie That Girl Jennings and Glenn the Geeky Pony Guy. Wednesday, I Jamie, did you hear the news about the Olympics? Remember we were talking about that on Monday, that they were going to be deciding shortly who was going to get the two hundred or the 2024 and the 2028 Olympics? Okay. Los Angeles was involved, and Paris were, was trying to get it. Well, the IOC came out and did something they don't usually do yesterday. And they said, we're going to assign them both at one time. That, that Usually, they only do one at a time, and it's about six years ahead. This time, they said, look, I think that what they're discovering is there's less and less cities bidding because they always lose a fortune. So what they're doing now is they're giving them more time to prepare, and they said they've come out and declared Los Angeles and Paris will host the 2024 and 2028 games. However, they haven't. They're going to let the cities try and work it out together who hosts which one. Now both of them have said they want to do 2024. So Jennifer and I were talking about it this morning, and we were wondering if maybe the mayors shouldn't get together in some kind of competition. You know, rock, paper, scissors. Uh, Maybe we could put them in a ring like for world professional wrestling, you know, put them in tutus and then beat each other up. I don't know. I was trying to come up with some good ideas of how we could settle this. I was thinking feats of strength. It's Olympics, right? I mean, do something Olympic. Let's see. Whoever has the fastest time in the, you know, 100 meter dash, 100 yard dash, whatever. How about paintball battle? That could be fun to watch. Um, How about, uh, have you seen the celebrity? What is that show, Jennifer? The celebrity, the one where they're racing and doing things, the newest one. What's it called? Oh, on the wide world of sports. Um, Yes. What is it called? I forget. But but it's the celebrities competing. Battle of the Network Stars. Battle of the Network Stars. Have you seen that yet, Jamie? I have not seen that, no. (laughs) They get all the D and C list celebrities out to do do obstacle courses and stuff and battle each other. We could put them through one of those. Uh... Well, so so what is the actual kind of decision for for it? Well, apparently they're going to try and let the two cities work it out. 
And if that doesn't happen, then they're going to have to do the way they normally do it, which is kind of a vote by the IOC committee about who gets which year. But they were hoping, it's the first time they've ever done this, they were hoping that the cities could actually just try and work it out. Um, Then what they said is the IOC deemed the LA and Paris bids for 2024 so strong that they wanted uh, to grant an Olympics to each city, which is why they said, oh, we'll do the next two. What they're not saying is they're get, not getting very many bids for the Olympics anymore. It's kind of like the World Equestrian Games. So now they said this would be the first time the U.S. hosts the Olympics since 2002, and it would be Paris' first time since two or 1924. Wow. Yep. Well, I guess it just depends on which place has more infrastructure ready, you know, like Maybe Paris talks to us and says, hey, we're screwed. We really don't have anything. And L.A. goes, well, we've got a little bit more set up or vice versa. Yeah. Or they going to just super fight. <laughs> a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you really do. Wow. But, but it's exciting that the Olympics are coming back. Yeah, what, that's exciting. One of those well, years. Where was it in 2000? What'd you say? It was 2002. Uh, would host its first Olympics since 2002. Was that the Atlanta? No, Atlanta was 96, so I don't think it was 2002. Oh, oh, you know what? 2002 was one of the Winter Games. Oh, uh, gotcha. Yep, one of the Lake Placid. Like in Utah. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Summer Games was 1996, which was Atlanta, right? Right. Yeah, so, which you were at. You you were there I at was. that time. My were hometown. You, you weren't doing traffic then. You're not old enough to be. How old were you then? I was a C. I had just graduated high school. Oh, really? Yeah. So you weren't doing so. traffic yet. That would have been interesting. <laughs> no, <laughs> the traffic yeah, thank God. During the Olympics. <laughs> that would have been a nightmare. <laughs> Pretty much you could have come out and actually... said, every artery is blocked. Every artery uh-huh. is, there's just traffic everywhere. <laughs> I could have done traffic reports from sitting in traffic trying to get to the show jumping, which I made the last <laughs> rider of for the eventing show jumping at the horse park because the traffic was so bad. Nobody could go anywhere. <laughs> So it would have been easy being a traffic reporter. You could have been in the helicopter with your buddy there going, yeah, pretty much every artery is stopped. You're not going anywhere. I don't know how Atlanta did it. It's traffic nightmare any every day. (laughs) They did it. There was what they did. It was great was they used the MARTA, which is uh, Metro Atlanta Rapid Transit System to get everybody everywhere, except for the veins of like the equestrian sports you couldn't use because there was no. Marta that went to the, you know, the outskirts of the city. It was all the downtown area. So I kind of got screwed uh, there because all the horse stuff was out east. So anyway, probably boring you guys. But yeah, but anyway. you know what, though? I was just oh, thinking about it. Talk about traffic. L.A. We're going to put the Olympics uh, in L.A. And Paris, too? <laughs> Why don't they ever put the Olympics in, like, I don't know. Idaho. You know, I live in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Why don't they do it up in, like, Tulsa, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, place where there's like not a lot of people, right. or Flagstaff, Arizona, <laughs> Oklahoma like, City, you know, someplace yeah. medium-sized city. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they did Come announce on. with it's- the Wag and Tryon. We covered this on the Wag Show this week that the announcement has been made that there'll be no on-site parking for for anybody but uh, competitors and their immediate crews. So everybody else will be off-site parked and bust in. And and that is in the country, but they're not mm-hmm. going to do on-site parking like we had it at, at, in Lexington. 
So it's going to be interesting. That 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 World of Question Games is going to be interesting because people are going to be an hour away in hotels, then go have to park in a lot and then take a bus. The vendors don't like that because people tend, it's been proven, people tend to shop less if they have to get on a bus after because you're carrying all the bags and everything. So people tend to shop less if they're not going they directly to their car. Have it at the Kentucky Horse Park every time. I know. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Or the Florida Horse Park that's coming. Yeah, uh, no, it's not big enough. No, Florida no. Horse Park is not. No, it doesn't have infrastructure either. Oh, no, the new one, maybe the international. Yeah, the new one that's coming. That yeah. that would that could handle it for sure. All right, Jennifer, well, what is coming up in today's show? Now that we've solved the Olympic issue. Now that you have solved all of the IOC's problems, coming up on today's HorseLovers.com Wednesday edition. Chez Parlini is going to stop by and tell us about a special program he has for training up rescued horses and the folks who do the rescuing. And then Dr. B has the final segment in our Horseman's Glossary series with a segment on germs and viruses and other internal troublemakers. And then Caroline stops by at the finish with the Heels Down update. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. Thank you very much, Jennifer. Appreciate that. Daily Winnie time. Well, my happy birthdays go out to three auditors today, Danielle Bucker, Erin Helene, and Beth Ayers all have birthdays today. A big day for birthdays over on the auditor group. So happy birthday to all of you. Ah, oh, there she is. It gets me every time. Uh, I would like to uh, send my daily witty out to, oh, bless her heart, little precious magic gal of Jennings. She had her first ever, or second ever, actually, ride yesterday. Her first one came a couple weeks ago, so I didn't really count that one. So we rode her yesterday, and she was so good. She tried this, like, sassy little kind of crow hop head shaking buck thing, and it was so laughable that... I mean, it was embarrassing. I was embarrassed for her. Like, you really, have trained horses that put more effort into them. <laughs> her whole like, she, I, I, she finally figured out what leg means. So I was put the leg on and just try to get her to to move forward. And I, the first time I had to have Abby lead her, and so this time she kind of followed Abby around. And I put my leg on, and my cluck button is almost broken. I clucked so much yesterday and got her. Finally, she made one of those moments where she, I clucked and I put my leg on and she finally took one little step forward and I released and I started petting her and I told her she's a good girl. She started licking and chewing and then she was great. And I actually got her to trot by just putting that leg on, kind of trotting her back towards everybody. And it, it was comical at best because she put her head down and I'm holding the reins and I'm holding on to the handle on this saddle and uh, she put her head down she started shaking her head and she's gonna do something but it and it ended up like she's so weak that it ended up being like she shook her head now was her that was her big moment <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get this person off me no nothing she did nothing <laughs> so she's gonna rebel. <laughs> yeah, that was her big rebelling. First of all, I'm too heavy for you. Second of all, actually, do, you saw the video. I kind of thought she's 
you know, 13 hands. I kind of thought I didn't look too big for her. Glenn, are you there? Oh, I thought you were talking to Jennifer. Hey, yes. No, I, I watched the video and went, <laughs> I thought you were talking to Jennifer there for a minute. Um, Either one, anybody <laughs> jump in. I thought you looked like a normal sized human being on that 13 and a half hand pony. So, <laughs> <laughs> I one was, of the, <laughs> is that sad? The, you, at, matter of fact, <sighs> if, if you're very tall, a uh, very beautiful student it hadn't been standing right beside you, you would have not known you were riding a pony. <laughs> I know. Abby has just signed with the Ford Modeling Agency. So she's like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, or something. And so, yeah, it doesn't look like you know a pony it, you know until surprised? she's there. Can we, can, we, can we diverge off to Abby for a second? I've met Abby very uh, several times now. And uh. she's always so shy and demure. She's absolutely beautiful. And she's like my height. But she's so demure. And then when you told me she signed with like a major modeling agency, I was surprised because she's so <laughs> quiet. And, you know, it just didn't seem like she'd be that outgoing to even do that. She did this piece on television, okay, where she had to, it was one of those like news segments where they're talking about summer dresses, but she was one of the models wearing that summer dress. And she walks out and she's modeling this dress. And this is Abby who I've been teaching since she was like seven years old. And she used to ride the 13 hand pony herself. Like she was, she was tiny. And so she is in this dress and there's like pockets and she's swooshing left and swooshing right. And like kind of turning and letting everybody see the dress. And then she walks off. And, and, and so I see her later. I'm like, I saw your segment on the news. She was like, oh, cool. And I was like, so <laughs> I got to ask you a question. How the hell did you learn how to model? I mean, you, you like signed up for this because you're tall and you she, she wants to buy a farm for Joey someday. That's like her goal for being a model. And uh, she's like, mm, I don't know. I'm like, Abby, did you YouTube modeling and how to be a model? And she's like, well, kind of. Model, you've been signed for like 10 days. You're already on television modeling dresses and you don't even know what you're doing. And you're like, mm, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> She's so sweet. It makes me crazy. Well, I'm glad I've to see like, that. Actually. Oh my God. Do you guys, do you guys all see me on TV? I was on TV. I was, hey, 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 turn on your TV. I'm going to be on TV tomorrow. Okay. And she's like, her mom's like, oh yeah, Abby was on TV. Like, oh, what? I had told everybody. I'd scream that. I'd have had a poster outside my house. <laughs> exactly. I'm a, I am a model. Okay. <laughs> a sign model. Nothing, none of that. Well, uh, okay. So, so this ride went very well. I thought, you know, for a pony who really hasn't done much, I thought the pony did, you did both did great. Not your typical Thank pony behavior. You. No, she was really good. She, I mean, she, she trusts me. We've, we've kind of spent some time together, but it was fun to kind of spend a couple months with her before you actually get on her because it makes them trust you a little bit more, I guess. So, uh, have, have being able to, being able to hop on her and I mean, it's still nerve wracking, even though I feel like I know her and I trust her. And then of course she's with baby Zara and baby Zara is in baby Zara stall and she can see us. We're, we're like probably 20 feet away. And Zara is, <laughs> you can't leave me. <laughs> and like Winnie and like crazy. Um, and uh, I'm like, I'm right here. There's, we're 20 feet away. But it, so that adds to the, to the stress level. Speaking of baby Zara, we are checking tomorrow. Just so you guys know, we're waiting on our guests. So I'm just going to keep talking. Um, 
Tomorrow is the pregnancy check day for Pink. Oh, I thought, I thought what was wrong with baby, baby Zara. You made it sound like. Speaking was, of baby Zara, yeah. we're going to have <laughs> potentially check for a sibling. That's what I was talking about. Okay, got it. And I, I think baby Zara was pregnant. I was going, wait a minute. What is this? No, That's no. Like, uh, so uh, do you want to take a, take a, take a guess whether Pink's going to be pregnant or not? Like, do you want to make a bet? Let's I think some Pink wagering? is going to be pregnant with another dark colored uh, filly. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. I don't think she's going to be because you want a black boy. It's going to be a gray filly. That's Uh, what we said last time and end up with a red mare. So yeah, (laughs) it happens. No, I think, uh, I don't think she's pregnant. I don't think it's going to, I don't think it took, Oh, you don't, I'm going to be real negative and just say it's not any indications or just being negative. Um, I, you know, I'm not a very negative person. So I, I think uh, the way that she just acted, she had three follicles and I mean, one did ovulate, but I don't, she just, she didn't act pregnant. I don't know how they act. She pregnant. not throwing up in the morning or what? <laughs> she hasn't had a bit of morning sickness. <laughs> it's really not fair. She has no cravings whatsoever. She's not eating pickles nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I ate my first trimester people. Pop tarts and V eight. So there, <laughs> she hasn't asked for a. Have Pop-Tart you tried to yet. give her some V eight? Maybe. <laughs> maybe she just doesn't ask right. No, yeah, maybe you're just not uh, offering the right things. <laughs> By the way, Pop tarts and V eight, I consumed as a pair. <laughs> <laughs> My husband was like, "You're the grossest human ever." <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's change the topic here and go to talking about a l- something a little more serious. <laughs> All right, well, we've got Chez Perlini. Uh, Chez is from the Raptor P Rescue Horse Training Program in Geneva, Florida. Good morning, Chez. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Am I saying your name right and the farm name and everything? Yes, ma'am. All right. Fantastic. Well, uh, Jennifer, our producer, found out about you guys and wanted to find out a little bit more about your program because it is very unique and it is interesting and it, it, it's it's different. It helps it helps everybody. So why don't you tell a little bit about it? Sure. Um, I started the program came about. Um, I was training horses for other professionals. And pretty much in that situation, you train the horses and they go home and you, they generally deal with them just fine. And you never hear from them again. Um, I got, uh, hooked up with a rescue and I started training their horses. And what would happen was those horses, because they were a little bit more sensitive and a little bit more fragile, when the horses would leave, the owners would bring them back and, and we would do lessons and less than the lessons ended up being a lot more focused on the people a lot more than the horses and something interesting happened while I was doing that is not only did the people improve handling of their horses, but a change came over them and they seemed a lot more confident, even in the interactions between the two of us. And I liked it. They liked it. And the horses did so much better. And the people would contact me later at the end of this and say, how much the program had helped them even outside of horses. So you basically have turned what was teaching lessons. And, and, and to me, that's the best lesson to have is a lesson where you teach somebody to train their horse rather than 
just to ride this particular horse. You teach them the technique to train it. Well, you took that to heart and now you've made almost like a grown up summer camp. It is kind of like summer camp. In a way. <laughs> um, <laughs> I enjoy it and the people enjoy it. And the best thing for me is the thing that has so much meaning to me is the effect that it's having on the people. And one of the things about the rescue horses that seems to make a huge difference as opposed to a traditional, uh, you know, just outright trained broke horse essentially is the people are so much more forgiving of the mistakes that the horses make. They're so much more supportive. And when they start, they're not very forgiving of themselves. You know, everything is, Oh, I screwed up. I don't want to ruin this horse. And the big part of the program is convincing them that they should be showing themselves the same level of consideration that they're showing their horse. And I, I think it, it that, was, I think it it's was, the crux of it. Yeah. I think it was Monty Roberts on the show. Uh, I, I've done a lot of work with him and he told me, cause I don't like watching myself on video and they have a video of me. And I said, I can't watch it. And he said, that's because you spoke a lot less horse back then than you do now. And I was like, that's really a good uh -huh. way to think about it because I was very unforgiving of myself because I didn't speak the correct language. And now I feel right. like I know the language better. And now I, oh, like, I don't want to watch myself. It's embarrassing. So these people kind of go through the same thing. So just an overview of what you do, you basically take people for training for a month and also horses in training for a month. And you kind of pair them up and teach them how to train these particular horses, correct? Yes, ma'am. That is, And, what and we they do. can bring their own horses and too, right? Yes, we do individual lessons for them to bring their own horses. And it has become a big part of when horses come here for training is we try to get the people to come out as much as possible to be involved. And that is how I do things now. I don't take as many horses for the professionals anymore. And I've kind of moved away from that because this is so much more rewarding. And I feel that there's so much more benefit for horse people, even non-horse people. We're doing things with people who have no background in horses whatsoever. When you come to the program, you need to have no prior experience or anything like that. And those people honestly often do a lot better with their horses because they don't have the same preconceived notions about how things should go. And it allows them to be a lot freer in their decision-making and they're less bound up about what they assume is going to happen or what should happen. Do, mm -hmm. do you do only Mustangs or are you doing rescues of all sorts? We're doing rescues of all sorts. Uh, we do Mustangs right now. We have two Pasifinos, a quarter horse and some others, and they all came out of kill pens. So we'll take any horse and really every horse deserves a chance. I'm not, particularly hung up on any type of horse and it's really beneficial uh, for both the people and the horses. I, I really like doing it. You know, it's horses, it's the people, it starts out the people trying to help the horse and it, it ends up with the horses helping the people. You know, this is, this is so important because, you know, we've been talking a lot about the Mustang situation. There's uh, the budget, mm -hmm. the budget right now, you know, is talking about cutting the BLM's budget and, you know, what's going to happen to the 40,000 that are holding pens and it kind of becomes a catch-22 right. there because we also recommend that people who don't know anything about training a horse don't get a Mustang because it's dangerous. And, right. it, you know, they shouldn't have Mustangs 
if they have never trained before or had professional instruction like yours, if there were programs like yours all across the country that taught people to teach the horses, there'd be a lot less of those horses in holding pens. Absolutely. And the truth is a lot of rescues end up being their own version of holding pens because it's expensive to get these horses trained. So they end up, they have a hard cap on how many horses they're able to effectively sustain. And it's expensive for them to send them out to training so they get a hard cap and they can't take in any more horses. So there ends up being this log jam and there's more horses that need help than there are rescues. And with this program, we're able to offer basically at cost training for the rescue so that we can get those horses turned over. And when those horses, they're allowed to stay in the program for as long as it takes to get them to a point where they're available for adoption. So we don't have a limit on how long the horse can stay. If that horse needs a year to feel, to have the confidence to go on and be someone's forever horse, they can stay for a year. And as the student cycle through, that gives everyone an opportunity to work with horses at different levels and different sensitivities. Most of the horses, well, any horse that has come through this program has been adopted and found home uh, and not come back, which is the best part. Because a lot of times what happens is when rescues get horses adopted out, they get them right back. Because like you said, they go to, they tend to go to people who are not necessarily that experienced, especially the Mustang. And because the cost, the initial cost of getting the horse is so low. So it's really easy for someone to, on an entry level to go ahead and horses but then they get the horse home and like you said they may not be able to get professional instruction or they don't want to the horse goes from being okay and now it's worse and they return it to the rescue yeah you know i was talking to off the air i was talking to a instructor or a trainer of horses the other day who does driving horses And she said, the biggest Mm -hmm. problem I have is the same thing you said at the beginning of this conversation. The biggest problem I have is they send these horses to me for 30, 90 days. I send them home, and those people still don't know how to drive. So I get the horses back, and they're saying the horse isn't trained when, in fact, and I'm trying to tell them, you're the one that needs the lessons. The horse is fine. Um, The horse is doing it properly. You're still trying to do it wrong, and the two of you aren't meeting in the middle. Well, that's the hardest part about training yeah. horses, which is why your program is so unique because he, and doubly smart because you're getting horses in training at the same time from a business standpoint, you're getting horses in training and you got people doing the work for you. It's genius, genius <laughs> way to do it, but you're also helping horses and helping people. And you also provide places for people to stay, which is really nice. Uh, and so it's kind of like, a, like I said, it's like a grown-up summer camp. How fun. As long as, you know, I mean, the only thing that I would see is as long as these people are staying safe and, and you know, not turned loose with all these these wild horses and, and they've got some good supervision, then I think it's a fantastic idea. And again, doubly beneficial for business. Yes, thank you. And the, again, we, we talk about not only being considerate of these horses, but for the people. And we train, because we keep the school small, the program is very small, we take a maximum of six students at a time, we're able to make sure that everybody advances at a pace which they're comfortable. This, is, this environment that we've created is very non-judgmental. And I'm a big believer in experimenting and feeling a level of freeness to be able to say, I'm not ready to do that, or I want to try this. But at the same time, they're advancing. And I found that if 
if I don't set a standard, a requirement for what, what the students need to do and what the horses should be accomplishing, those student advance, the students advance more. Because in the same way that your horse, if you get him too scared in the beginning, he's going to be unwilling to try things in the future. So with these people, with the students, I feel the same way. I want them to feel comfortable with everything. If, if while they're here, they never ride any of the horses, that is fine with me. It ensures they feel comfortable. And the cool thing is they end up advancing a lot faster than you would initially think they would because they don't have that fear of being forced into a situation in which they're not comfortable. Do you get mostly uh, teenagers or adults or both? Uh, right now we have it set so it's 18 and up. So I guess we technically get some teenagers, but most of the most of the students are, I guess this is a pretty wide age range, but 18 to 35. Okay. I would say is most of the students. We get a lot of overseas students as well on gap years, which oh, is nice. Right. Um, so what? They what come type from of, generally a very different background. Oh yeah. Uh, what type of training would you consider yourself a, a trainer? I mean, do do you do you have your own methods? Have you kind of incorporated people's? Do you follow a strict, you know, kind of thing? I mean, it's going to have to change all the time where people are involved and, 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 uh, and di- all the different horses. So you can't kind of use the. Yeah. So the training program, I mean, I've ridden around a lot of different people, a lot of it on ranches and I've been to several clinics and my brother worked for Joe Walter for about a year. And so we really, what we do is we focus on the principles of how a horse learns and thinks. and if we're considerate of how that horse is responding and we're knowledgeable about what makes sense from the horse's perspective, you can go in any direction you want. So as far as the program goes, my training style, I'm only interested in what's effective. I'm not attached to um, any type of rigid program because like you said, there's a lot of different horses. There's a lot of different people. And if, if someone or if either a person or a horse isn't comfortable with a certain presentation of a request, we'll just find something else. So there's as many different ways to do things with a horse as there are people. And again, I'm really focused on what's effective and what the horse and what the handler are comfortable with. I'll, I'll do anything if it helps yeah. a horse or a person. I, <clears throat> well, no I was watching... Ego. I was watching your videos and I didn't see a bunch of guys out there chasing horses around with whips and stuff like that, you know, and all that. So <laughs> it's got to be something that's that, like you said, if it's a rescue and you go aggressively towards right. it, you're not going to go anywhere far. You know, you've got to let the horse right. talk to you and, and, and individualize it. So that's really cool. Ches. I'm excited for what you're doing and you're educating those who the horses and the people on how to, to kind of move forward in training. It's a really neat thing. It's actually quite affordable. If you want to go look at it, what's your website? Uh, the website is rafterphorsetraining.com. And, and uh, Rafter uh, P, where'd uh, the name come from? So everybody will stick it in their brain. Uh, that is our brand. When my brother and I were working and living out West, it's a lot more common than here on the East Coast. But out West, when you have horses or livestock, it's really usual to have your own brand and you brand your horses and your livestock. And our last name is Perlini. And the way the brand is called is the rafter is that um, upside down V above the letter P. So when you call it or when you read it, it reads as raft 
And we just started calling everything that, and it just kind of <laughs> stuck. There you go. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, was, I knew there had to be a But story. a lot of people on the East Coast, yeah, it's not a great story, unfortunately. There's no real drama. <laughs> um, but around, around here, it often confuses people because they're like, what is a rafter P? Well, it's just a brand, like literally <laughs> yeah. a brand. Well, there you well, go. Well, yeah, there you go. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right, Chess Perlini Raptor P. Uh, you guys can go check it out on Facebook. Go look at their website. Thank you so much for coming on, and thanks for for helping helping horses and helping people. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Chess. All right, thanks. You know how we say that when you walk in a barn, that if you've been in this round horses forever, like we all have, if you walk in a barn, every barn has a feel. That every barn you walk into, whether there's anybody in the barn or not, you just walk in and you know it has a feel, whether it's intense or yeah. calm. I guarantee you walk in his barns and they are the most laid back, calm feeling places that you're ever going to find. I could listen well, to him all day. <laughs> just got there. I, I look too at the way that, that words are used and there's no horse breaking and there's nope. no those kinds of things it's all starting and groundwork and foundation these are all the rehabilitation a lot of words on his website so it's not like we're going to teach you how to break a horse in a month you know we're yeah. going to teach you that it's it's not at all like that so you know i get pretty sensitive about stuff like that so it's kind of nice to to see it and all the videos and all the pictures of it everybody's really calm yeah. and well you can and tell that comes from him serious. that comes from the yeah. top down uh yeah yeah he's just a chill dude good job yeah well, that that's very cool. That's not too far from us. I think that's a little south of us here in Florida, in Geneva, Florida. Well, you know, I was there looking... There you go, Glenn. You go do it. Yeah, there you go. I was looking at, uh, in my free time, <clears throat> I was... Because you know why I don't have free time is I was busy while you were talking to him over at Horse Lovers, seeing what the deal of the day is. Of course, Amazon yesterday, they had the Amazon deals, and I, you know, I might have spent a little bit too much time on it. <laughs> I bought a mattress. Did you? (laughs) Did you really? I did. I bought a mattress (laughs) for Lucas. It's being delivered. It's a queen-size mattress. Free delivery. (laughs) Lucas is going to get lost in a queen-size mattress, or was your evil plan to make sure all the dogs sleep with him, too? Well, we have one now, but it's the one that came out of the trailer. (laughs) It's a little beat up. He needs his own. I'd like to put it back in the trailer. (laughs) I'm the worst mom. <laughs> I ended up the trailer. Mattress. Let me see. What did I end up buying? I ended up buying something that wasn't on sale. So there you go. <laughs> oh, good job. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, that all changes when you go to horselovers.com. Oh, I was on there for their deal the day today. I was seeing what that was. And we had so one of our listeners reviewed these, the Horseware Platinum Sienna Lady Self Seat Breeches. And um, they got rave reviews by one of our listeners. And, you know, a lot of times when they have these deals of the day, they're trying to get rid of leftovers or overstock or stuff. And so they'll only have like one or two sizes. They had these. These are $170 horseware breeches. And horseware doesn't make really anything crappy. They have these at $66, down from $170. So, and they have all the sizes from 26 through 36 in charcoal, black, white. But you know what? These sales, the sales only gone for another two hours. So live listeners can hop over and, and get these breaches, but they have a new one every day. So just go to the, you don't have to wait for Amazon twice a year to have their big sales. You can do mm-hmm. it every day at Horse That's Lovers. That's true. 
you know? Good so, point. and then they got a five point breastplate, uh, marked down from 169 to 115. So it's just all of this stuff. And then that, the problem with horse lovers is you end up down a rabbit hole. And, <laughs> and that's where I ended up down the rabbit hole because they also have a giveaway for Perry's premium leather uh, halters, either for your horse or your dog. They're very nice collars or they're halters. And, of course, I had to sign up for that. So I put my name in for that. And I'm telling you, you just end up doing that. But you don't have to wait every day is my point. Uh, you don't have to wait twice a year for Amazon. You can do it every day over at Horse Lovers. I did notice that there was a post on our auditor page yesterday about how many breaches people have. People have been shopping yes. on Horse Lovers because you you all have a lot of breaches. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, but you never know. And then it takes you, you have to buy it and ride in it to see if it's the one that you really, really love. So, I mean, these, we could all have 15, 20 pairs of breeches, but you only wear two. That's you know? true. Because those are the ones that's you fall true. in love with. That's but true. me, I mean, with my weather, I have summer breeches and I have winter breeches. And winter breeches, of course, are just normal breeches. And then summer breeches are like the ice fill, you know, like the thinnest possible tights you can wear. So, well, it, and in our defense here in Florida, if you wear a pair of breeches, you know, a lot of times if you're in a cooler temperatures, you can get away with wearing your breeches two days in a row without washing them. You can't do that in Florida. Oh, I mean, no, you're I can't just do too here. sweaty. <laughs> it's just you need a lot of pairs of breeches. The other thing I did notice is uh, over on horselovers.com is it's National Farriers Week. This week, I didn't know that. So they have 10% Is off. It, do I need to buy my, my farrier's coming today. Do I need to buy her a gift? I guess. I don't know. Did you get her a card? Are there cards? I don't know if there's cards. <laughs> you need to make one up. But it's I'll 10% off the, all the farrier tools, which they have a lot of over at uh, horselovers.com. So you need a new rasp for clippers or whatever. If you do a little bit of the work yourself, you can find get an extra 10% off right now this week at horselovers.com. Oh, and hoof dressing rainmakers on sale. Oh, dang. <laughs> Jennifer, what is coming up uh, on our health segment? Up, oh, Jennifer, you're on mute. I think we lost Jennifer. I don't know where she is. I had pushed my anti-typing button. Okay. It's yeah, really like this has been that. happening a while, so you could just flip your <laughs> mic back on. It's not that complicated. I'm pretty sure you're smart enough. <laughs> Jamie, this is only it's our okay. ninth year. this is only our seventh year. That'll happen in our ninth year. Okay. I mean, I'm I know I'm getting a little picky and demanding, but sorry. Uh, you know what? Though that's okay. I overslept this morning. Yeah, so. who had to call who to get her out of bed this morning? Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> My kid's sick. It's a long night. <laughs> That's the first time in a long time you've done that. Matter of fact, I was at the point where I said, Jennifer, you better look at the show notes. You might be co-hosting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. So Jennifer, turn your mic on. I'll set my alarm. Deal. <laughs> okay, got it. Deal. <laughs> we, Dr. B and I got together to chat. We did a whole bunch of the glossary of veterinary terms for horse people. And this is our final segment. And we do uh, germs and viruses and bacteria and fungus. All together. So it's the gooey stuff this time. Yummy. Love it. It's time for the Horses in the Morning Horse Health Report. When our intrepid hosts, together with an unlucky member of the equine veterinary trade, attempt to inform, enlighten, or terrify horse owners everywhere into funding a Kickstarter campaign to mass-produce Kevlar-coated, bubble-wrap-lined equine products. And I am back again with Dr. B. That would be Dr. Brian Waldridge from Lexington, Kentucky. 
and he stops by our shows on a regular basis to help us understand veterinary topics. And we are finishing up our glossary of horsemen's terms here, and we've saved the best for last. And we have grouped them together because it's all the icky, gooey stuff that causes the vet to have to come out to our barn or to have us soak our horse's feet in Epsom salts. We're talking about germs, viruses, bacteria, and fungi. So um, you take it away, Dr. B. I'm going to just step back and listen. All right. Well, I'm going to start with the hardest one you gave me, and that's germ. And I thought, you know, that... The, the the lay term is the hardest one I'm gonna have to define. So I, I looked on the the medical dictionary online, uh, Medline Plus, and the definition of a germ is a small mass of living substance capable of developing into an organism or one of its parts. So that, that kind of encompasses all the other things: the you know fungus, uh, bacteria. Uh, well, viruses technically aren't living, so they're, when we talk about them, they're they're pretty complex. I guess you could almost put parasites in there, but they're not generally not real small. You know, they're they're bigger, a lot bigger than uh, microscopic organisms that we tend to think of as germs. Okay, so that's ticked one off the box, and then next up we have virus. Okay, viruses are. From the from a horse owner's point of view, what does he need to know about what a virus is? Well, viruses so they're they're different than bacteria because viruses you know, really don't fit the definition of a of a living organism. And viruses you know, are, are spread several ways. And I think that's the biggest thing when uh, with horse owners when you think about a virus is. You know, go and read and see how the virus may be spread or things you can prevent the spread of them. But viruses are pretty interesting because they, they are completely dependent on their host for replication. So they really can't do anything on their own. And a, a virus infects a cell, it'll go into that cell and somehow through its different types of, uh, of its DNA, it'll put its DNA into that cell and make that cell make more viruses. So they're you know, they're pretty interesting, and they'll come in and literally take over and make the cell churn out more viruses, which then are spread to go out to infect other cells. So nasty little uh, buggers. They are, and you know they're and they can have envelopes around them, which means they kind of have a little fat bubble, which kind of helps protect them from the environment. And uh, some aren't aren't enveloped, but they're they're really complex and and do some pretty crazy things to cause disease. And some of them. You know, like the EIA virus, like we do um, Coggins tests for, you know, that, that virus, once it gets into the, the horse, is a is an infection forever. Of course, well, no, herpes is forever. But uh, EIA is one of those, too, that, that goes in. It'll actually insert its DNA into the DNA of the horse and maybe recrudesce at a later time. Crazy. Now, the, the, the $10,000 question, do antibiotics kill viruses? Excellent question, and they don't. There we um, go. Simple as that, right? That's right, and, and that's an important thing. And, you know, that's when you follow, and I'm really glad you brought this up, because if you look at you know, a lot of the stuff that comes out of humans is, you know, when you have a viral infection, antibiotics are not going to fight that. You know, they may get bacteria in behind it. Like when you get the flu, you may get pneumonia behind the flu, which is bacterial. But, you know, you have to use specific antiviral drugs to uh, to get a virus. 
There we go. So that leads us to the next one. Bacteria. What does your average horse dude need to know about bacteria? <laughs> well, bacteria, so they're they're different than uh than viruses because they can go in, you know, find their little spot and get going. You know, they're able to start dividing. They have all the machinery they need. Uh, it, all, all the bacteria need, I guess I was trying to think of a good way to describe this. All bacteria need are groceries and a good place to live, <laughs> you know, a nice warm environment. And they they're going to grow. live in a specific neighborhood like a virus. <laughs> right, right. They just come in. You know, if a bacteria comes in, they're just going to, like, turn on the heat. They're going to take stuff out of your refrigerator, and they're going to start to grow. So that's all they need. You know, the virus is going to come in. It's going to put on your favorite, like, Nirvana T-shirt, eat all your food use up all your stuff and, and they're going to grow. So if you think of them that way and, and, and they're going to continue to grow. And I guess the other thing that's important to talk about micro microorganisms, viruses and bacteria is they grow what's called exponentially. So one becomes, well, that's why it doesn't take very many to get sick is one becomes two, two becomes four, four becomes eight, eight becomes 16 and so on. So they're, they're going to double every time they grow. They're going to you know, split out a bit more, so especially back, especially true for bacteria. Viruses could be even more. So if you get the right conditions and they have the things they like for nutrients, they're going to keep on growing bacteria. And, and then that's where our antibiotics Come help in. us because a lot of the antibiotics will interfere with their pathways to say like penicillin it interferes with the cell wall production of the bacteria and so and other ones other bacteria other antibiotics like uh tetracyclines they interfere with the bacteria being able to make dna so our antibiotics will usually look for little spots where those bacteria grow and try to block that so it's always good if you're working trying to kill a bacteria to know what bacteria you're trying to kill because then you can use the specific antibiotic that's best for the job. That's right. And, yes. and sometimes, um, you know, because some bac- not all not all bacteria are sensitive to certain antibiotics. And you know, if you've seen one of those um, sensitivity panels, that's what we call them, when you get that back where it shows you what antibiotics are able to kill the bacteria and which ones won't work. Um, because depending on what type of... Um, bacteria they are. Some of them have a, a little uh, fat coat around them, and those tend to be what we call gram negatives, and if they don't have that, they're gram positive. So, like penicillin usually works better against gram positive. So, knowing what type or what most likely bacteria causes disease helps us to go ahead and know which antibiotic to choose first that will be most effective. There we go. And my very favorite, the last one we're going to do here, is fungus. So kind of give us an overview of fungus, because whenever we think of funguses, uh, we as horsemen tend to think of things like thrush or rain rot or something like that. So where does fungus fit into your average horseman's vocabulary? Well, um, and rain rot is actually a bacterial disease, but you can have ringworm, which looks can look identical, which is a fungus, uh, even though we call it a worm, <laughs> that, that looks like uh, looks like the same, you know, scabby skin disease. So a fungus has a, a bit of a different um, type of cell wall. They tend to reproduce with spores or um, things like yeast. They bud, so they kind of re- reproduce like bacteria do. You know, one will split into two um, to reproduce. So they're different cell walls, and a lot of fungi are not 
uh, pathogenic in and of themselves. You know, they don't kind of go in and cause disease unless there's some opportunity. There are some that will directly do it, but you know, fungi are out there everywhere in the environment, and a lot of the ones that we see cause disease, usually there's immunocompromise or an injury or something that kind of opens the door for them to, to cause infections. And my final question, do, back, do antibiotics kill fungus? No, they don't. Um, you know, there are some that may have a little bit of secondary effects, but uh, for the most part, we're not going to get any kind of antifungal treatment with, uh, with antibiotics either. So you want to, if you're fighting a fungus, you need to use an antifungal. If you're fighting a bacteria, right. you need to use an antibiotic. Right. Thank and you. we really don't have much in the way of antivirals that we know of for horses. You know, a lot of that's come from herpes, but um, we really are pretty limited in what we can do with, her- with viruses. There we go. Well, that's the basics, just to keep the, the uh, question marks floating around you, above your head, everybody. So if you want to visit Dr. B's Bluegrass online, where do we find you? If you go on Facebook and just uh, Dr. B's Bluegrass, and um, my page will be up there. And uh, you know, I try and put new things on there at least several days a week and put some uh, stories, hopefully, of interest to everybody. I like stories about old racehorses or, you know, cool stories that go on in the Kentucky equine industry um, that I think people will be interested in. There we go. I highly recommend it to everybody. It's a fun veterinarian's site that has a very icky factor so check it out and thanks for stopping by again dr b well you're listening to horses in the morning on the horse radio network jamie is here i am here jennifer is there we're all here for you this morning and as usual on third or on wednesdays i even got my days of the week all mixed up (laughs) see that's what happens when i have to get you out of bed in the morning just messes me all up Uh, messes you up i'm the one who just woke (laughs) up jeez so so as usual on wednesdays about this time we have caroline caroline on from the heels down magazine she's the editorial director and also host of heels down happy hour one of the new newest shows on the horse radio network are you there caroline I am. How's it going, guys? Good. Now, when is your next episode? There's been one episode of Heels Down Happy Hour. That was the setup episode, the the uh, the one to get everything going. So the pilot. When when does when does the regular schedule start? So the regular schedule the starts pilot. this week. Our first, well, our second episode, our first episode after the pilot, I guess I should say, episode two is on Friday. Will be released on Friday. We taped it last night. We had so much fun taping it. Jennifer was on with us, and we had a blast. And I think it's going to be a really, really good episode. So, um, if anyone hasn't listened to the first episode, they can do that on the Horse Radio Network app, or they can go to. Um, Get it on iTunes, wherever you Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, or you can listen to it on our website, heelsdownmag.com. But episode two, there were there were some belly laughing moments in there. So I think people are gonna really enjoy it. Now we're because it is happy hour, were you all drinking and and because our audience seems to be a lot of people who drink heavily, was there a <laughs> was there a recipe for an alcoholic beverage? Yes. Okay. So we, it was a funny thing because when we were first talking about the show, we didn't know how alcoholic we really wanted to make it. Like we wanted it to be the theory of happy hour, but we weren't sure how much actual alcohol we wanted to be involved. And then we sort of did some testing and all of the feedback was you have to have a drink recipe and there has to be more 
alcohol. Like it has to be every like horse people really like to drink, I guess. So <laughs> this um, is the morning show. We have hangovers. <laughs> you get us drunk. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it comes full circle. That's right. So yes, there is a drink recipe. We heard everybody's feedback. We will include a drink recipe in every single episode. So we're going to have some interesting uh, cocktail ideas on there. And we're also posting those recipes on our website as well. Um, so that you have a role to them. play here. Sister. Yes, that's right. You have a role. And you I, I have to do my part in society as a good citizen. So that's, that's what I'm working on. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're contributing. Well, we, uh, we, we, as usual, twice a month here, talk about some of the articles that are in Heels Down magazine. So tell me about Meg, other than being cute as a button. Isn't she adorable? Yes. Isn't that cover the cutest thing you've yes. ever seen? I squealed when I saw the photo. I was so excited. She's adorable. So tell us, who is Meg and what's what's the article about? So, um, well, we call her Meg Kep, but really she has a full name. It's Megan Kepferly. And she is, she was a former groom for Sinead Halpin. And she was a professional groom in the eventing world for um, almost a decade, actually. And she never really wanted to be a groom. It sort of happened, uh, that career path sort of happened serendipitously. And, um, so the article is an in-depth look at how she kind of reinvented herself and now has, she's no longer a groom. She said, I really always wanted to ride. I was just grooming to be around horses, but finally she kind of put her foot down and said, no, I'm going to have a real go at this and I'm going to ride and train. And now she has her, um, her own training business and her, you know, she's got clients and teaches lessons and she just did her first one star and she's working her way up the levels after being like a very high performance, um, groom, you know, going to, you know, big world championships with Sinead and Tate. Um, and she, is She's such known an, for also having a lot of fun doing she it. She is the most fun person you'll ever be around. Yeah. She, we've <laughs> got to get her on the podcast really at some point because she's just, she's so much fun. She, if you don't follow her on social media, you're really missing out because she's hilarious. And I, what I love about her is that she, like many young riders, when she was younger, she wanted to go to the Olympics. I mean, who doesn't want to go to the Olympics? That's, you know, what you dream of when you're, you know, younger and, and coming up and learning to ride horses, everyone wants to go to the Olympics. And she has sort of let that go a little bit. And she says that it's no longer her dream. And she explains why. Um, and I thought that that was really inspiring because I think it's a good reminder for people that you can be a serious professional and really make your mark in the sport without having to make all of the sacrifices that go on, go along with being, you know, the very, very top tier going to the Olympics, that doesn't have to be your dream. And it doesn't make you any less of a rider if, if you don't do that. So I thought that she was really inspiring. Everybody should check that article out. It's really amazing. Um, that's in the July issue of Heels Down Magazine. I, yeah, I, the cover just is perfect. I mean, it just describes oh, her personality. so cute. Yeah. It really does. That that's well done. You know, it's so funny with magazines. The the lead picture, I don't know what you call it in magazines, the lead picture sets mm-hmm. the tone and and decide you decide from that lead picture. It's not even the title so much for me. It's the lead picture whether I'm gonna read that article or not. Uh yeah, it's yeah, it is. And it it really 
that's why we so wanted to capture her personality because it's not just what she's done. It's who she is that I think people are so drawn to and find so magnetic. So, um, yeah, that cover is really beautiful. And the feature photo for the article is 100% Meg. Um, so we're really excited. She was really excited about the article too. And all of her friends, you know, are posting and they're like, what? You're like, you're on the cover of a magazine. This is crazy. So it's really cool to see that response as well. I like the article too, because she, I like your articles and I like your show, at least from the first episode, um, because it really does discuss also, it's not all rosy. You know, she discusses in there that it's hard to do this. It's hard to make the money. It's hard to keep going. You know, it's, it's hard. And, and that's why I like your articles too, is they're real. It's not just all, it's not, you know, it's not all balloons and flowers. No, it's not. We do not do like the PR type of journalism at all. We really want to know you know the the black and the white in people's lives and she says you know that she really thought about quitting I mean she was very burnt out at some point which I think a lot of people struggle with but don't maybe readily talk about is there are days that you don't want to do it anymore um, and that is okay and that's normal and you know she went through um, you know the passing of her mother and it kind of made her reevaluate her priorities and sort of take a step back. And um, she really delves into sort of those life defining moments that I think a lot of people have that make you think, what am I doing? And is this really what I want to be doing? And that's kind of what finally spurred her to be like, like, screw it. No, I'm not grooming anymore. I'm going to ride. That's what I always wanted to do since I was a kid. And I'm going to freaking do it. And she is a total badass for doing that. (laughs) Speaking of black and white, that leads us to the next article. (laughs) Is tradition enough to save the hunters? Ooh, a good one. Wow, you took on the... uh... Holy Grail here. Um, so, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot that um, can be said about this, especially right now. There's quite a bit happening in the hunter world. Um, there, there's uh, I, if anyone isn't following it, there's you know there it's it's a very interesting time um, for the hunters because there's all sorts of um, you know. drug conversations going on. And, um, you know, of course, Mary Babbick is such a wonderful, um, outspoken voice and she contributes to this article, um, is tradition enough to save the hunters and really takes a firm stance on if this sport is going to survive, we have to have, I think she calls it a course correction. Um, she really feels that if hunters are going to continue to be a popular, and accessible sport in the United States, it's got to change, which I think is a pretty amazing thing for the president of the USHJ, the United States Hunter Jumper Association, to say. Um, she said, you know, why are we making the horses go so slow? Why do we want them to look so dull and dead and tired. And she said, you know, it's really different than when I grew up riding in the sixties and seventies when the horses, you know, they, they cantered around more forward around their courses and that was what you wanted to see. And so, um, a little bit, maybe the wrong things are being, um, rewarded in the sport, which was really great for, for her to hear. 
Or for her to say. She's um, done some interviews on some of our shows, and I really like her. I do, too. She she's is coming awesome. out, and she is going against... I mean, she, she's now the boss over there, basically. Mm-hmm. So, it, But it's going to take somebody like her to, to get anything done. In, in, I mean, Hunter's has to be the most grained, and I'm going to use quotes, tradition, and I'm not sure I'm using that in quotes because I'm... I think you can fall back on that as an excuse not to progress too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it seems like for a lot of disciplines, look at the Western world. What, when did the memo go out that all these horses have to look half dead and go about one mile an hour? When, I right. don't know when that happened. Right. Uh, and yeah. when I think that the judging, when the, when it comes down to, um, you know, who's winning classes, when you, when you see that a certain type of horse and a certain type of round is, is winning classes, you don't go to a show to lose. Right. So that's kind of, you know, I don't know if it's the, the chicken or the egg, but, um, a lot of, there's so many, you know, adult amateurs that want to, you know, they don't want to do show jumping. They don't want to do something so fast paced, but they don't want to do dressage either. They enjoy jumping and, you know, this, this sport is for professionals and amateurs alike, but I think that it's, it's difficult to have a sport that first of all, doesn't feed into any Olympic sport. I mean, hunters stand completely by themselves. It's not, um, they don't funnel into, uh, you know, you, you don't work your way up the ranks to go to the Olympics and the hunters, they just, it just, completely stands alone yeah, which is fine the question games it's, either so i mean they don't it's really not have, a yeah. yeah it's not an olympic sport yeah. it's because it's a created something that you know i showed hunters all growing up and it was mm-hmm. because it's it's the only thing around and it's easy to have all you have to right. do is put jumps in an arena and call right. it a hunter show. You don't. You yeah. don't have to have you know a twenty-five acre cross-country schooling field or or you know, you bunch know of room the, for fitness and or the organization of a dressage show mm-hmm. you know i mean uh, the hunter shows are the most disorganized nonsense ever you show up at six o'clock in the morning for your practice round you don't ride till dang four it is hurry afternoon. up and wait it's yeah those are some long i i grew up doing the hunters as well and I think the longest days of my life were probably spent. At yes. <laughs> I was 16 years old. My mom was like, here's the keys, baby. You're driving yourself. I'm not going to those anymore. <laughs> Hope you can drive a trailer. Hit the uh, yeah, that's what I did in Atlanta on 285. Here's the keys to the, tr- to the truck and trailer. Bye. I mean, but that was how miserable it was for like spectators, you know, and it was miserable for me too. And that's why I found another sport, but they, it's, it, there's just, it's kind of now when I'm going to take some kids to a hunter show, I have to go, okay, uh, I got to call people. What's, what's, what's the fashion right now? Mm-hmm. Okay, what do we need? Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, we don't have those things. <laughs> but I mean, if, if you watch like a beautiful, especially the derbies, I will say that the derbies, um, you know, horses are well-trained and they're moving. They're the, it's beautiful to watch yeah. somebody put in a very solid flowing, you know, gorgeous smooth hunter round where the horses are exploding off of the ground and it's so graceful and so beautiful and i think that the derbies have done a pretty good job of um making the sport kind of more fan friendly and um you know one of the professionals that we talked to for this article said you know i really would like to 
look up in the stands and see at least a few people watching the sport. Like he was like, we all work so hard for this. And it's a little bit discouraging that there's not, um, there's not that many spectators for it. So I think the derbies have done a, a pretty good job of sort of making it a bit more exciting. And a lot of them, of course, are live streamed. Uh, but you know, there's, it's difficult. I think, um, when the horses look, you know, half dead and all around, you know, they're, they're so dull. It's hard for that to be exciting for a spectator to watch. Well, I hope Mary can do something. You know, one of two things is going to happen with her as president of the USHJA, causing mm-hmm. the ripples in the pond that she's causing. Either she's going to be out on her ear very shortly, or she's going to accomplish <laughs> something. There's going to be no middle, right? So one of two things, and she has the tenacity to get it done. So I hope it's the latter. Yeah, me too. I think she's doing a great job. You know, I, and I, it can I, be so fun. And, and so uh, it's just, something that can reach everybody if it's just done right. And, you know, you know we could have the yeah. same conversation about a number of disciplines. This is not, the, uh, this is not unique, right? It we isn't can, unique, and yeah. we're not picking on, on no, the No, we could have it about all. Western pleasure. Oh, we could gosh. have it about a, a bunch of different disciplines. It's not unique. I don't think that there's any sport that has that that's done changing that's done evolving that isn't going to have to adapt to you know new pressures like whatever it is i mean you know sport changes less land i mean there's so many things that are going to cause changes in all of these sports you know hunters is certainly not the only one like far from it um but it is it's interesting to take a look at you know how the the demographics of people that are doing the hunters has changed too you know they're so there's a lot of amateurs doing it, but it's it's becoming more and more difficult to be a professional, um, as I understand it, in the hunter world. So it's an interesting shift for sure. Which leads us to we have time for one more. And uh, can we do the coaching one? Yes, coaching that's one? what I, I love. This <laughs> Jamie and I love this topic. So the. <laughs> That leads us to friend or dictator. Which coaching style gets better results? And I looked down to see if you had a picture of George in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. I knew. I was like, Glenn's just going to say it. He's going to say what we're all thinking. Are, are you kidding? <laughs> How could we not say it? <laughs> so oh, wait a minute. Um, wait a minute. Yeah. Ha- wait so a minute before you, really on, before you go on. Before you go on. Before you go on. We always have to do it when his name is mentioned. Jamie got him to laugh, and I have evidence. Wait a minute. Hold on. Oh, here we go. I kept that secret close. (laughs) Oh, that was a belly laugh from the George people. That she got him to laugh. All right. right. I love how like at first you're like, is he is he laughing or is he scoffing? (laughs) You don't know. I'm going to go with laugh. (laughs) So good job. This article is interesting because something happened to me yesterday. That basically talks, it kind of points exactly to what this article is. And I was on a trail ride with um, my student, Abby, and she has a friend visiting from Virginia. And the friend was riding one of my horses and she said, she's a good little rider. She's a teenager, but she can stick on anything. So I put her on my mare pink and pink's first trail ride. So uh, what I didn't realize was she was really, really nervous. The, the, the teenager pink was not so mm-hmm. nervous, but your horse is going to pick up what you are, you know, they're going to mirror your emotion. So as the ride went on, I noticed pink getting nervous. And so I, I turned to the girl, Hannah and I said, okay, what's the deal? Like, she's like, I, I just, I don't know. I'm just nervous. I was like, okay, loosen the reins, 
take a deep breath. If something happens, you can shorten your reins real quick, but take a deep breath and just relax and, and allow her to kind of walk and allow her to look around. You just have a good time. You take good care of yourself. Just have fun. Look around, blah, blah, blah. The horse is going to marry you. And she said that she goes, I would kill for a coach like you in Virginia. And I oh. said, well, what do you, what do you mean? What would your coach have said? Stop being scared. Oh, what she said. <laughs> That's effective. Poor kid. <laughs> and I said, yeah. And I said, how's that working for you? She goes, it makes me more scared. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it makes the horse more scared. And then he, I read this article and it's friend or dictator. What coaching style gets better results. So I'm interested. I read a little bit of it, but to kind of read about, you know, you've got basically a dominant, explain it for everybody. So you can kind of break it down and everyone knows exactly if you stand at a warm up ring at a horse show for five seconds, you you will see both extremes. There's two kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, and one of those is autocratic, um, an autocratic coach. And that's kind of like the do what I say sort of uh, dialogue and coaching or else. style. <laughs> uh, yes. And a lot, well, and it is or else because a lot of times they use punishment as a form of coaching. So the the best example I can think of for this is it's it's like the you do something wrong and it's drop and give me fifty like military style um, coaching and communication. Uh, it, the the athlete's performance is number one and well being of the athlete and like emo how they're feeling. Like for instance, you know that that story exactly of. They, they don't really are not they're not worried about the student being scared or anything like that that's not they want results and they want to win and that's it and the mental state of the student isn't so much a priority on the other end of the spectrum there's democratic coaches and those are the sorts of coaches that you see um you know the the student jumps a line for instance and they land and they say how did that feel so they're allowing um, the student to kind of have input and communicate with them before, sometimes even before they will say, oh, that sucked or, you know, that was great. Uh, so it's more of a two-way street kind of feedback uh, system. <laughs> and they, <coughs> excuse me, and they um, it's okay. encourage, oh, sorry. That's all right. Take I read it. My morning you, coffee. Yeah, here, take a drink here, the, quick. I read an article. They, go, you good? Okay. Yeah. 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 No. Go ahead. I was just gonna um, say I read an article the other day that uh, the studies are <laughs> now showing that about only twenty percent of people. Everybody learns differently. There's different levels of learning and different ways of learning, and everybody is different that way. But they they did an article where they did a massive study. It was thousands of people that only twenty percent of the people respond to the dictator. That those people hmm. tend to be military types too. By the way, they they right. want that direct order. Go do this now. But they've determined it's not that, a teen girl thing. Yeah, see, that's <laughs> no. what I'm saying. It's only twenty percent, and that you know, I, I venture to say that if you take a look at a sport like ours, I think it's even less than that. And I don't know. It pays. People pay for that because I think they don't the know thing. what else. That's, that's so the weird. Thing. You're paying. I mean, the, at the end of the day, it's a lot of money to have a coach, and so you're if you're paying for somebody that has a coaching style that doesn't work for you but are those out, but are those ooh, the same people uh, who also want to shortcut and get to the end result quicker so they don't want to know the why they just want to get there is that that's that probably same why, mentality yeah, that's, right that's probably why it works for them yep. but 
I think a lot of it too, I think, you know, if I was going to go take my car to a mechanic and the mechanic said, this is what you got to do. And you got to do it like this. And there's no other way I'd go. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of mm-hmm. parents take their children to a trainer and just think that that's the way it is because they have no knowledge about it. Um, and so I think that's how, you know, I mean, I've had coaches and just recently I had a coach that just got meaner and meaner and meaner. And I just, I'm like, I can't ride anymore with that person because that person is not making me feel good about myself anymore. But you know what? I'm a grown up and I know what I can take and I know what I can't take and what I want to pay for and what I don't. A teenager with a mama who drops her off may not always know. And then you go to horse shows and you see, I was just at a competition this past weekend. I'm like, the screaming is just the screaming of, do this. Oh no, gosh. I can't believe you did that. And the show jump warm up. Oh my God. I was like, how are people not crying? It like I'm makes wh- my hair stand on oh end. I mean, and <laughs> I have been in the warm up ring with, um, you know, coaches like that that are screaming at their students. And my horses are like, oh, my, what the new hell is this? Like, oh my God, yeah. like something terrible is happening. Yeah. And yeah. it's like everybody is on edge when that's happening. And there are the coaches that you, there's, they're screaming, but, and it's, I don't think that they even realize it's a self-awareness thing too. And this article talks about it. Um, it's, they don't even realize like how they're coming across necessarily because let's face it. A lot of coaches in the equestrian world, they're not trained coaches. They are riders that coach to make money so that they can compete themselves. And there's nothing wrong with that, but they're not, they're not going, you know, and doing coursework. Right. They're not trained, you know, on their coaching style. They're not educated on their coaching style or what kind of coach their students need. Um, you know, there no one's ever really, unless they had a fantastic coach that they can kind of model themselves after. It's a difficult thing, and so you know, of course, trainer certifications are huge in this, and we've talked about that on this show, um, but. Other, if you're not getting a trainer certification and you're not doing the homework yourself and sort of studying and reading about, you know, um, sports psychology and athlete mentality and coaching styles, how how are you supposed to know? Because if you go to a horse show, you don't always see the best example of coaching. So, Carolyn, I was just saying variety. that at the horse trial it was at, I rode in the open division with all the coaches, um, and. Oh my gosh. I was like, it's so peaceful to warm up because all the people that are usually doing the yelling are riding. They're they're shut up (laughs) or they're not riding and they're not here because they're not coaching because these aren't their students, you know? So it was, so I I thought I'm going to choose to ride in the harder open division from now on because this is so so much more peaceful. (laughs) It's so quiet. Nice. And it's awesome. The horses were crazy, of course, but it doesn't matter because there's nobody screaming and like yelling at you to get away. And everybody knew the rules of outside. I'm taking the cross rail, you know, (laughs) it's not crazy at all. So, well, uh, head on over to heelsdownmag.com to read that article too. Uh, This has been fascinating. It's always good conversation when you show up. So we appreciate you being here. And you're sober too. I mean, it's morning time. It's just a hangover. (laughs) You don't know that, Jamie. (laughs) Yeah. This could be your permanent state. (laughs) (laughs) Always is fun. (laughs) All right, Caroline, uh, heelsdownmag.com and also check out the new show. Heels Down Happy Hour. It's on horseradionetwork.com. It's on the app and all the usual places. Thank you, Carolyn. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
Oh, that's funny. We, uh, you know, it, uh, it's so funny you say that about shows because that's one of the things I used to hate about the warm up rings when I'd go to shows with Jennifer. I just couldn't stand it. I will tell, I'm telling you, I've convinced myself now, even when I move up to the levels of Zeus and I don't have to ride in the open, I can ride in the adult kind of, uh, you know, not adult amateur, but the uh, adult rider kind of c- categories. I won't do it. I'm going to ride in the open from now on. Cause that was just such a different eye-opening, peaceful experience. Even though the horses were crazy, it was so nice to not to be worried about my life and hear the screaming. Yep. I agree. I agree. Well, and you know, when, when I did taught sales, we, we, we had to learn the different levels of learning for different people and you salespeople, especially because that's like one of the hardest careers there is. Uh, and, and, and people have it or they don't. I think a lot of it's innate. I think a lot of it, you're born with it or you're not, but you can learn some of it, but you had to learn how to teach them how to sell, which is one of the hardest things to do. So we had to take a look at all the different avenues to make that happen with different learners. And uh, it's the same thing here. Good conversation with her. I love this segment now, uh, every two weeks. Carolyn comes in so prepared. She knows her stuff. (laughs) She really does. Well, she wrote the dang article, so yeah, she knows it. She really does know her stuff. So good job, Carolyn. And uh, we're looking forward to the next episode. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Tomorrow, by the way, if you missed the endurance episode yesterday, go back and take a listen to it. It was a lot of fun. And then tomorrow we have, who do we have tomorrow? Mary Kitzmiller showing up. So we have Mary on, and she'll, of course, be doing a whole bunch of training questions. So if you have a question for Mary, send it in to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. And if you have a training question for your horse or anything like that, she will answer those questions tomorrow morning. Jamie will be back on Friday, which is really bad ads day. So get your ads in to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. Everything goes to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. She's our filter. And um, by the way, I will be telling you on Friday whether we're pregnant or not. Yay! And that would be your horse if you joined us late. Uh, not yeah, not me. <laughs> not me. Just, Shop's closed. Always want to clarify that, just in case. <laughs> so, so that's it for today. We'll see you all tomorrow morning.